0: So as Phil said, the reading is taken from Luke chapter 4, starting verse 13, page 1061. On the road to Emmaus. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find a body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread.
1: Great. Well, if you've closed up your Bibles, be helpful to keep those open at Luke uh, chapter 24. uh, One of the resurrection accounts from that first Easter Sunday, page 1061. We're going to be looking at that this evening as we're trying to make sense of Easter. Michael Jackson, Charles Darwin, Leonardo da Vinci, Muhammad, Albert Einstein, Gandhi, Mozart, Christopher Hitchens, are all dead. But Jesus is alive. Which is why today is Easter Sunday. Resurrection Sunday we are celebrating that Jesus is alive. The fact that Jesus is alive is what Easter is all about. Someone put it like this, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, the Christian faith is a foolish fantasy. However, if the resurrection of Christ did occur, it confirms his life, his message, his atoning work. It is the basis of our hope of life beyond the grave. But let's be honest, for many people, many people that we know, many people in our city, many people in our homes, that's not what Easter means to them. They don't understand, they don't believe, that's what Easter means. And perhaps you're going to be honest with yourself this evening and say, actually, you're one of them. Or maybe it's a friend or family member, their experience, but maybe it's you. Maybe Easter doesn't really make sense, maybe it just hasn't clicked for you. Well, I wonder this evening, are we willing to be vulnerable and say, actually, I'm not quite sure I do understand what Easter is all about, that it all makes sense? Well, if you're struggling to make sense of Easter, whether all of it or or part of it, actually, you're in good company. Because we look at our passage that we've just had read, and the disciples, that's their experience, that first Easter. It hasn't clicked. They don't get it. They don't yet understand now, these disciples, they'd been through a lot in these past few days and they were trying to process everything that had happened. Have a look at verse 13. Now, that same day, it's the same day that, that Jesus' disciples had gone to the tomb and the stone had been rolled away and Jesus' body wasn't there. And there were angels saying, he's not here, he is risen. That same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. These two disciples are, are heading home after Jerusalem, after everything that had happened on Good Friday, after the Passover meal on the Saturday. And all of a sudden, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. All of a sudden, Jesus turns up. Without these disciples realizing he is alive. But they were kept from seeing it. They don't yet see it. What does Jesus do? Well, what, he engages with these confused followers. Verse 17. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here in these days. Their response is, what? you you just come from Jerusalem, you're on the same road as us, and you don't realize what's been happening in the city these last few days. Where have you been? Jesus' response, quite comical really, isn't it? What things, he asked. The things concerning him, he is the center of everything. He's saying, oh, Really? Tell me more. So they recap on what happens. They they give this 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 pitted history of of uh, of those last three days, verses nineteen to twenty four, and they 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 say a few things about what they're trying to to piece together and and where their understanding is at that time. They say uh, verse nineteen that Jesus he was a prophet. He had done many wonderful deeds before God, but their their hope was fixed on this one thing. They hoped he would redeem Israel. They hoped he would set their people free. Just like God did in in the Exodus where where he brought his people out of slavery in Egypt. Israel was an occupied country. The Romans were in charge and their hope was that Jesus was going to be the guy to kick out the Romans. But then they also report this this strange thing happened with some of the women, and we don't quite understand what, what to make of all of this, that they said they went to the tomb, and it, well, it was empty, and there was this thing with the angels. We flick on back to, to early in chapter 24 and verse 11. Um, the disciples didn't believe the women's report. It seemed like nonsense to them. They didn't, They weren't going to believe them. These two disciples walking along this road to Emmaus, They're confused. Think about it. They've got the info. In fact, it's first hand information about what has happened. But it doesn't make sense. They're kept from seeing and understanding. They've had their chance to speak and, and explain what they think it's all about and try and school this mysterious stranger in everything that's been happening the last few days. Then it's Jesus's turn to speak. And what he does and actually will do for us as we read this is help us to make sense of Easter. And he does it in three ways that we can remember. He does it by opening their ears, opening their eyes, and opening their hearts. And that's what we'll need. We'll need open ears, eyes, and hearts if we're to make sense of Easter for ourselves. Firstly, though, he starts by opening their ears. We need to do the same. It starts with hearing from God. Hearing from God, because actually we need God's help to understand what Easter is all about. Have a look at verse 25 as Jesus starts explaining this to them. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Jesus has listened to their report of what's happened. Now it's his turn to teach them. They think they're the ones in the know. They think this guy is foolish and he needs the teaching. And bear in mind at this moment they don't know who he is. But what Jesus shows them is that the information you need to make sense of Easter actually for them was already there. The problem isn't the lack of information. They have that in the scriptures. They've had that from what they've seen of Jesus' ministry. The, The problem is they don't believe it. It's a problem of of doubt, not of fact. This is what the prophets in the Old Testament, like guys like Isaiah and and Joel, told us was going to happen. That the Messiah was going to die and be raised. Jesus isn't giving them brand new information here. But he's helping them to understand, to, to make sense of why Easter had to happen this way. The great news is that actually we have all that we need to know about God and what Easter means actually in our Bible, something that we have free and easy access to, whether in print, online, on our phones, however. The problem isn't the information, is it? We can see that. They have plenty of information. The problem is our lack of belief. The problem is our doubt. But it needs to start with us hearing it. If we're not hearing it, well, then how will we know about it? The apostle Paul makes this uh, point in in Romans chapter 7. He says, so faith, belief, trust comes from hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. You see, God's word is powerful to speak to us. Why? Because God is the one who is speaking. And God is infinitely powerful. And so is his word. God speaks as we hear his word. We we say that as if we take it for granted, don't we? God speaks to us as we hear his word, as we read it, as we wake up blurry-eyed and and open our Bibles each morning, as we gather together on, on Easter Sunday to hear God's word. God speaks to us. But we also need his help to understand. So we need God's help to understand what Easter is all about, because the Bible explains why Jesus had to suffer and rise. Have a look at verse 26. Jesus says, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Ask them a, a rhetorical question. It's obvious what the answer is. You, sh- you should know this. You've got the information to know this. Jesus is saying that, that the Old Testament, so, so everything uh, written in, in, our, in our Old Testament makes it clear that, that the Messiah or or the Christ or God's special king, he had to suffer. That wasn't just an accident. That wasn't the plan failing. That was how the plan was going to come into fruition, is how freedom would come about. Not through all out war with the Romans, as many of the people were expecting, but by Jesus making peace through his blood on the cross. We see that throughout the Old Testament and, and nowhere clearer than in the prophet Isaiah that, that we, were, we were reading as we had our, our, our meditation on the cross on, on Good Friday. Uh, every, every time I read it, 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 it's still incredible. Isaiah 53 verse 5, speaking this prophecy of, of this suffering sermon of what Jesus was going to go through but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. The Bible then, in the Old Testament and in the New, tells us why the suffering of Easter was necessary. The Bible explains why Jesus had to suffer and rise. We also need to open our ears to hear how all of Scripture Points to Jesus, and, and this is what he does. He gives them this amazing Bible study as they 're going along the road, taking all these bits of, of scripture and, and explaining how they all focus in on him. We see that in verse twenty seven Jesus was using all different parts of the old testament now i don 't think that means that he was using every single verse in the Old Testament and saying how each one of them pointed to him, but he was going to different parts and, and And it's exciting when you do that, when you read through the Old Testament, you see how it points to Christ. For our Lent course, we've just been doing walk through the Old Testament. And it's been so exciting seeing how all these Old Testament stories and these characters point to Christ and to what he was going to do. Like like we've been reading in in Isaiah chapter 53, but like way back in the beginning in Genesis chapter 3 at the fall, where God promises that that the offspring of Eve will, will crush the serpent, crush Satan but in the process will receive a death blow. Or or, in the, or the promise of a king in the line of David that would rule forever. Jesus used all these different parts of the Old Testament to, to point to himself, to point to the Messiah. These things will find their fulfillment in Jesus. So if we want to make sense of Easter, we have to start by listening to God. It makes sense, doesn't it? We, we don't just f- figure out what Easter is on our own or, or just watch a video on YouTube or, or ask a friend. Uh, actually, we need to go to God's word to understand what Easter is all about, to hear God speak to us and to teach us and see how it all hinges on Jesus' death and resurrection. So that's the first thing. We need to open our ears to God's word. Secondly, we need to open our eyes or let our eyes be opened. Have a look at verse uh, 28, 29. As they approached the village, and, and goodness knows, well, we're actually we're told how they're feeling at this point. <laughs> Slightly different, I imagine. As they approached the village to which they were going, so this was Emmaus, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. He's done this elsewhere in the Gospels to try and get them to react, see if they're going to to speak to him further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in, to stay with them, it's clear they're beginning to see something about this guy, aren't they? There's there's something in the way that that he handles the scriptures that that intrigues them. They've got to find out more. They're they're beginning to see that they were blind, but it's beginning. There's there's a there's a kind of a fuzzy image forming, and they want to see more. They want more clarity. Perhaps they're thinking, wow, this guy would make a good disciple. He seems to know all the answers. He knows his stuff. But whatever, they, they want him to hang around so they can learn more. And as we know from, from the Bible, actually, hospitality is a huge part of, of, of the culture that, that Jesus was in. What happens verse 30? They They've probably sat down to have dinner. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Eyes opened in, in a split second. One moment, he's this guy who, who they, they think, well, how does he not understand what's been happening? And then, then they're slightly intrigued, but then all of a sudden, it's clear to them who it is. Their eyes have been opened. And not they opened their eyes to see who he was. Their eyes were opened. Something passive. This is God at work, opening their eyes to see Jesus. Jesus had done this in showing them who he was. And as they had their eyes opened, we're told they recognized him. There's obviously something about the way that, that, that he broke the bread or, or or something happening deep inside that they now see This is Jesus. It's quite black and white, isn't it? Just at this very moment, everything falls into place. All of a sudden, the report of the the women that that seem like nonsense, all of a sudden, yes, it's true. I see that now. Jesus is alive and we have just been speaking with him. Now, there'll be many here tonight who, who can relate to this. This experience of of suddenly having their eyes opened to Jesus. They see what Jesus has done for them. And they believe that he is now alive. But all of a sudden, before they have an opportunity to ask anything else, he vanishes. He disappears from their sight and will turn up later in, in Luke's gospel, which we'll see next week. Jesus had appeared to them so that they would be able to act as eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses that make up the accounts that we have in the scriptures, in the New Testament. But these these people weren't alone as, as witnesses. We know that Jesus appeared to the other disciples and to the women. We know that at one point Jesus appeared to over 500 people who witnessed that Jesus is alive. And as we were thinking about this morning, many of these were later killed because they wouldn't deny what they had seen. Now, you're not willing to die for something that you've made up. But they were willing to die for something that they had seen because their eyes had been opened. So making sense of Easter begins by hearing about what Jesus has done and then really seeing it. We open our eyes, we have our eyes opens. We have a personal encounter with Jesus that, that changes us. We see what He has done for us. We see that He is alive. Sometimes people say that that seeing is believing. It's a common quote, isn't it? Seeing is believing. But it's not, is it? This passage makes it really clear. Seeing isn't necessary believing. Even at the end of Matthew's gospel, where you've got the disciples gathered around Jesus, And he is there in the midst of them. It still says, and some doubted. You can see. Even some of the disciples could see him and and still not believe. It's only when Jesus helped them to believe that they could see. Seeing isn't necessarily believing, but believing is definitely seeing. And once you see Jesus like that, you can never unsee him. there was a Muslim uh, who became a Christian in Africa. And uh, he was asked by, by some of his, uh, his Muslim friends and family, why have you become a Christian all of a sudden? He said, well, it's like this. Suppose you're going down a road and suddenly the road forked in two directions and you don't know which way to go. And there at the fork in the road were two men, one on either direction. One of them is dead, and one of them is alive. Which one would you ask the way to go? Once you see Jesus like that, you can't unsee him. Making sense of Easter then, it starts with hearing how God's word points us to Jesus' death and resurrection. And then from there, God opens our eyes to see it for ourselves, to have a personal encounter with Jesus, eyes open. And hearing how God helps us to understand Easter through the Bible and seeing Jesus for ourselves, what will have an effect on us, just like it did on the disciples. It will affect us at the most profound level possible. It will change our hearts. But not just our hearts. It will change our whole lives So open your hearts to him. Have a look at verse 32. As Jesus has disappeared from their sight, they're they're left wondering what to say. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Their initial reaction then is is one of shock. You can understand that really, you know, talking to this guy, I think he doesn't know anything. Turns out it's Jesus. And then he disappears. But look at at that word that they use, how their hearts burned within them. It's a a powerful image, isn't it? How their hearts burned within them. As Jesus explained on that road why why the Messiah had to die and rise again from the scriptures, as he was doing that, as the Bible was being explained, God the Holy Spirit was also at work, correcting and convicting them of the truth. Again, that's the experience of, of many Christians since the Emmaus Road. In fact, famously, um, John Wesley, who uh, sort of, uh, after his death, the Methodists formed, um, but John Wesley described his conversion, and, and he was um, hearing a commentary being read um, that had been written by, by Martin Luther uh, about the book of Romans and he describes this in the same way and and he was re- he was a really miserable depressed christian before that he just really had no joy he really didn't understand he was trying to preach the whole time and it just it just sucked the life out of him but he was hearing this commentary and he says while this person was describing the change which god works in the heart through faith in christ i felt my heart strangely warmed or you could say it was burning inside of him i felt my heart strangely warmed i felt i did trust in christ christ alone for salvation and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins even mine and saved me from the law of sin and death there is then a moment in a believer's life when they experience that perhaps for the first time, perhaps in a remarkable way, like John Wesley did. Of God speaking to their hearts as they hear God's word explained, um, preached. And sometimes it happens more than once. Sometimes it's the frequent experience of Christians, maybe at different stages in life or particular moments. Perhaps when we hear sermons that really speak into the situation that, that we are experiencing at that moment in our family or in school or something. Or in, in Bible studies, it's a small groups or maybe one-on-one. Or maybe when we read the Bible for ourselves, we get that experience of our hearts burning within us as we hear God's Word and the Holy Spirit works in our innermost being. As we hear God speak to us in the Bible... Actually, our hearts should burn, shouldn't they? Because think about what's happening. Our creator, our savior is speaking directly to us. That should affect us, shouldn't it? It should cause our hearts to burn. But it's not just shaping their feeling, it shapes their action. They they are restless, they need to do something. And it leads them to action, verse 33. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together. Their life had been turned around, literally. They were on the way to to Emmaus out of Jerusalem. They They couldn't make sense of anything. They saw Jesus and their life was turned around. They headed back to Jerusalem to tell the others what had happened. They left Jerusalem feeling discouraged, confused, and they returned with hearts on fire, desperate to tell others that they had met with Jesus and their eyes were now open. It should have that effect on us too, shouldn't it? We, we, when we hear good news, so good, we just, we're just desperate to go and tell someone. Well, how much greater is this, that Jesus is alive? We've seen it in our hearts It's our experience as he causes our hearts to burn as we read his word and as he speaks to us. Jesus, the Lord, our Savior, he is alive, they can say, and we have seen him. And they join the other disciples in becoming witnesses to his resurrection. Witnesses that help us in our assurance, help us in our faith as we build our life. On Christ. And then verse. 35. Then the two told. What had happened. On the way. And how Jesus was recognized by them. When he broke the bread. The burning hearts in these disciples. From having heard and seen Jesus. Will, will continue on. And Luke continues what happens. In, in the book of Acts. And, and how the Holy Spirit is at work in these disciples who have seen the risen Jesus and go out into the world. And their legacy is what we share in. And it's the same Holy Spirit who is in us, helping us to go out into the world, into Brighton and Hove, to share that Jesus is alive. And what they have heard there will pass on, changing more people's lives as they hear and see for themselves. As we hear and see and experience that for ourselves, that Jesus is alive. So if we're being honest then, this Easter, do you hear what God is saying about how Jesus had to die and be raised to life? Do you see that as we read the Bible, as we hear it read? This Easter, do you see it for yourself? Does it make sense? Has it clicked for you yet? And this Easter, has it changed your heart? And does it continue to as you come back again? Maybe this is our first Easter knowing Christ. Maybe it's our 70th Easter knowing Christ. But as we come back again to God's word, has it changed our hearts? Has it, has it like the disciples, fired us up to share that Jesus is alive? Well, let's pray that God would help us to have open ears, open eyes, and changed hearts. Let's pray. And then Simon's going to come and lead us into more prayers. Jesus, thank you so much that you met with those disciples on the Emmaus Road. You listened to their, uh, frankly, wrong ideas. Um, some of them were right, some of them were wrong. And you corrected them. You showed them how information wasn't the problem, but lack of belief was. Thank you that you continued along with them, that you showed them your grace by revealing yourself to them, by opening their eyes. And as a result of having their eyes open, their their hearts were set on fire with love for you, and they were changed. And Lord, thank you that that's the experience of many who are sat here this evening. And Lord, we pray that... uh, if we are struggling to understand what this means, that you would help us. Help us to have open ears. Help us to have our eyes open to see who you are and what you have done for us personally. Help us to have a, an experience with you. And help us to have hearts that are set on fire with love for you that go out and tell others that Jesus is alive. Amen.